Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Something stirring in your heart or your spirit? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got something, Dad? Give that out. For you see, my children, there is an acceleration of getting you out of that which you're into now. The path in which you've been on, in which you've said, Lord, when shall I come to the end of this? When shall I come out on the other side? Well, this day, that process has been accelerated. And you shall come out quicker than you've even dreamed. For some of you, even this day, you shall come out. Many shall this week and all before the end of the month shall come out of that which you're going through. So praise and worship and glorify your Lord for you shall see an acceleration of all that which I've said belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, thank God for it. Now, let me say something real quick. When a word is given, within the word is the potential of God. There's nothing automatic about a tongue, interpretation of tongue, or a prophecy. It is the potential. This is God saying, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I... Now, if you can connect what you want to what he wants, you got it. Let me say that again. If you can connect what you want to what he wants, then you've got it. Which means you do what? You take that word, you receive it, you stand on it, you thank God for it. Every day you say, I'm coming out, I'm coming out. Some of you, what did it say? Today, some this week, all by the end of the month. I mean, that doesn't mean everybody. I mean, it's every person that will grab that and say, it's mine, it's mine. You're coming out of it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Thank you, Lord! Well, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Well, for some reason, we just don't need to quit. Let's just continue to worship then. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Someone has had an attack, like a seizure. You've had a, it's happened to you recently. It's never happened to you before. And you've had, I don't know if it was a violent one or something just temporary where you just kind of lost your, you lost your uh, equilibrium or something. But somebody, you've, you've had an attack and, and, and that's the devil. If that come up here real quick, God's got healing for you here this morning. If that's you recently and you've suffered some type of an attack or seizure like that, I know you're here. Don't be afraid. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Th- is that you? Huh? And had seizures? It, no, he's vomiting and it won't stop. And well, let's agree like over that then. Father, in the name of Jesus, this attack against Chuck, we bind in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as she has responded to, to, to this, knowing that you'll do a work, we rebuke this attack in his body. We command it to go now in Jesus' name. Amen. We agree for Chuck. Hallelujah. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And this has just happened recently? Well, let's agree right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. What's her name? Cynthia. We speak to Cynthia right now. We speak to this tumor that's tried to find a place of habitation in her brain. And we say to you, you're trespassing. You have no right to be there. Therefore, today, in the name and the authority of the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, We remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago. How you were defeated. Therefore we speak to you and command you to dissolve and leave in Jesus' name. And we declare you shall not grow. You shall not increase. You shall decrease. And you shall leave her body. And we declare no more attacks. No more seizures. In Jesus' name. Amen. We agree. Hallelujah. That's not it though. But we agree. That's not it. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. This may be new to you, may be unfamiliar with what's going on, but the Lord gives us what's called a word of knowledge. We don't make it up. We don't just say, well, let's just fish around and see what we can find. No, we stay with it. Many that come to the church have seen it in operation for many years, and we enjoy the benefits of it. So when we see this happen, we know that God's trying to, He's pulling on, pulling on people. I was in a meeting the other night, and the Lord gave us a word. I, don't forget, uh, I forget what it was. I was preaching in another church. And it was on a Sunday morning. And sure enough, that afternoon, a man called the pastor and said, that was me. I don't know why I didn't come up. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just didn't. Listen, number one, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone's subject to an attack of the adversary. Uh, Number two, God's got healing for you. Why why let that thing run run its course? You say, well, pastor, I'll just slip up after the service and speak to you. Yeah, now I'll pray for you by faith. But that's not what's going on here. There's something different. There's a higher level of ministry going on. There's what's called the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Word of knowledge, which is causing us to step into a gift of healing in operation. So if that's you, is this you? Is, is, that, is that you? Okay, good. They're just gone. That, yep, you're the one. That's it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. That's it. See, that's try, that was trying to form in his nervous system is what I was... Stand back up. Stand back up. Now grab my hands. Now jump up and down. There you go. Now do it again. Do it with your eyes closed. Do it with your eyes closed. There you go. Now. (laughs) Amen. Never have it again. Never have it again. Never have it again. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. Come on, you got a better shout than that? Come on. Give the Lord a mighty shout. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Good to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning. Had a wonderful early service, a good crowd, and three people got saved in the early service on Sunday morning, September the 1st. That's so thrilling to see people get touched by God. We welcome you here this morning. to coast all. 
we're going to begin this morning. We've completed our teaching on faith, but there was one particular thing about faith that I left out. I alluded to a couple of times, but I did not teach on it because I wanted to pull it apart separately and teach on it because we must understand, according to Galatians chapter 5, that faith works by love. And we must understand love in order to operate in it. Now, the first problem we have when it comes to this subject of love is that most people have no understanding whatsoever of the love of God. There's so much in religion, and I, I don't know how in the world religion got into this rut. You know what a rut is. It's a, it's a, it's a coffin with the ends kicked out. It just keeps you dead all the time. Amen. Uh, got into this rut of, it, of adhering to God evil or wickedness. Or, or, or things that, you know, uh, people will, like, like, like our buddy in Hawaii, you know, saying, well, God gave him that to teach him a great lesson. Or he's paying for his sin. That's so far from the Word of God. That's so far from the nature of God. It says in the book of James that, that God is not tempted with evil, nor does he tempt any man. Which means that which tempts mankind, he's not putting that temptation on mankind. That is not of God. Let me, let me say this. God loves you. He will not give you cancer. Listen, how can he give you cancer? He doesn't have it. He'd have to steal it and he's not a thief. Amen. No, he loves you more than that. How, how would he give you a bankruptcy? He's not bankrupt. He would not steal a child. He would not harm your marriage. There's nothing about God that is harmful or hurtful in any way. And I have no idea how religion got off into this, this, this uh, it's, it's heresy. That, that, oh, if you've got cancer, God, has, that's the way you're going to glorify God. I remember young in ministry, actually still in Bible school, attempting to minister. Actually, it was to a Catholic nun. It was a charismatic Catholic nun. She had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and was on fire for the Lord, but she had uh, a muscular dystrophy and was dying of it. And I remember sitting over at Denny. She was there with several other people at the table that I was sitting at. And I was trying to tell her, no, God wants to heal you. God wants to touch you. I mean, here I was going to Bible school every day, sitting under Brother Osteen, Brother Hagen, uh, Brother Copeland, R.W. Shambach, all these, they were teaching healing and faith and healing and faith. And I mean, I was just full of it. And she made this statement to me. She said, this disease God gave to me so that I might glorify him in my suffering. And I thought to myself, how can somebody get so far off of the reality of the word of God to think that you glorify God in your suffering, where in reality of what the Word of God says, you glorify God when you are delivered from your suffering because He suffered so much for you. Amen. Well, needless to say, she died. And I'm ashamed to say that she did because I was not able to reach her. But if you're here today and you've been taught over the years, maybe you were part of a certain religion or a denomination or, and they taught you that if anything evil or bad is going on in your life, and see, they'll, they'll sneak around the corner and say it like this, God allowed it. He's God. He allowed it. No, he didn't allow that. He would no more allow that than you would allow your children. You say, well, I'm going to teach my child about rattlesnakes. I'm going to put one in their room. That's what they're saying. Amen. You know, that you allowed it. No, no, no. God doesn't allow it. God, the Bible says, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the promises of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature. The Bible says in John 10, 10, this is the, make this the dividing line of what you believe. If you will, you'll be blessed. The thief, the thief, that's the devil, that's Satan, that's evil spirits. The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But then Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. That you might have life. That you might have it in abundance. 
So we got to get back to this, this, this loving God, learning about how much God loves us, and then loving people. Uh, the big problem is people have what I call a poor God image. If you've got a poor God image, you're going to have a poor self image. If you're going to have a poor self image, you're going to have a poor people image. Are you with me? And we cannot afford to have a poor people image because people are our purpose. Listen, the church is not the, quote, Walmart of God. Jesus is not our product. Now, there are churches that believe like that, that Jesus is their product and we can sell him better than the other church down the corner. No, no, Jesus is a real person. He's not a product, and we are presenting him to the world as a God that loves them beyond their ability to understand it. You've got to experience it. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he loves you with a love so powerful, the Bible says it cannot be measured in human terms. Now, when we understand how much God loves us, then we can love God back. Now, let me say that again. When we understand how much God loves us, we can love him back. Then we can love ourselves. Then we can love our brother and sister in the church. Then we can take that love and give it to the world. See, we've tried to do everything but that. We've tried to love God, but I don't love my brother. We've tried to love God and not love ourselves. Amen. But we've got to get this thing right according to what the Word of God says. When we do, what we'll take to the world is not so much our doctrine, not so much our belief, but God's love. Because I want you to know, our doctrine can be resisted. Our beliefs can be resisted, but you can't resist the love of God. There's something about the love of God that'll break you down. No matter how religious you are, no matter how hard you are, the Bible has proven that. What broke down the Apostle Paul? The love of God just broke him down. Matthew 22. Let's read this real quick and then we'll go on. It said, but when the Pharisees has heard, verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Now notice that. Love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, so here's our first problem. Most of us, if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we'd go next door and shoot them. <laughs> Listen, if you can say right now in this church this morning, I don't like me. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. But if you look in the mirror, you say, I don't like me. Well, I'm going to help you this morning. Because it's not until you love yourself. If you understand God's love to you, then you'll understand how to love him. Then you can love yourself. There is nothing on this planet that will give you true self-worth other than God. You can't educate a person enough. You can't give them enough. There's people that have millions of dollars that still have a poor self-image. Amen. You can't, you can't, you can't uh, uh, do anything in this natural life. There has to be something supernatural. Now, number one, understand this. You are valuable. 
Let me say that again. You are valuable to God. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. That is the great love verse of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he at great expense. He exhausted the wealth of heaven in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and gave it for you and I so that we could be saved. And listen, our salvation is much more than just our sins being forgiven and a ticket to heaven. God not only saved us, cleansed us, ridded us of guilt, caused iniquity to be purged for us, but according to Ephesians chapter 2, he raised us up and lets us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus where we share the same position that Jesus Christ himself has. Now listen, folks, that is love. That's how much God loves you. He's given you a position you could not obtain for yourself. For your body, he has supplied healing. For your finances, he has supplied prosperity. For your mind, he's given you peace and joy. For your spirit, he's given you righteousness. There is an unexhaustible wealth and treasure that God has given to you, not because you deserve it, but because he loves you. Now, when I came back to the Lord, I was away from the Lord for 12 years. I was born again at age six baptized in the Holy Ghost at age seven, served the Lord, loved the Lord, went to youth camps, went to church, and then just literally by my own, by my own will, my own human will, got away from the things of God, got into sin, and then came back to the Lord in my, in my uh, late 20s. I was 27 years, 27 or 28 years old when I came back to the Lord. Now, when I came back to the Lord, the call for me to preach was still there. God called me to preach when I was 17. Now, I knew it. Our pastor, Mom Goodwin, Nana Goodwin, prayed over me, prophesied over me, actually prophesied what I'm doing right now. I hated that. I didn't want to be a preacher at age 17. I shook my fist at God and said, I'll not preach the gospel, and I ran, went my own way. Well, when I came back to the Lord, that resistance was still in me. I didn't want to preach. But God put some people into my life that just loved me. They cared for me. They loved me. They nurtured me. And pretty soon, I began to proceed into the ministry. Proceed into preparation time. I begin to prepare myself. Went to Bible school, went to meetings every night, every church that I knew having a meeting, I was there. I learned to pray, I learned to study the Word of God. And I began, I began this process. Now, I began this process out of guilt and condemnation. I began to see a waste of over 12 years. I began to think, man, what a fool I was. Where could I be? Here I am in Bible school, I should be teaching Bible school. Amen. Here I am doing this, I should be doing... And so, you know, the enemy has a way of putting condemnation on you and messing with your value, your self-worth. So I began to just give up everything. I gave up... I, I love to surf, I gave up surfing. I love to hunt, I gave up hunting. I love to fish, I gave up fishing. I gave up television. I gave up this, I gave up that. I gave up this, I gave up that. Next thing you know, I gave up food. I started fasting. I gave up food. I remember I fasted three days, and after three days, I didn't have the feeling or want or whatever I was looking for. And so I thought, well, I just quit drinking water. No, don't do that. That's not very smart. Amen. So that went on for about a day, and I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you have one thing left to give up. Anybody know what that was? Breathing. That's the only thing I had left was Breathing. I was like, well, Lord, I've given everything up, given everything up, given everything up. Everything I thought I had, everything that I thought was valuable to me, everything that I wanted to do, I gave it up. And the Lord spoke to me. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I don't want anything you have. All I want is you. 
I didn't tell you to give up this, tell you to give up that, tell you to give up this. Actually, God took all of the things I really love and enhanced them and blessed them. And we've been able to preach the gospel from the surfboard, preach the gospel from the duck blind, and preach the gospel from the fishing boat. Enhance. He wants to enhance everything about your life. I tell you, when before then, I never surfed anywhere but Galveston and down South Padre Island one time and out in California with my cousin. God took us to Nicaragua. What did we do there? We helped start a church. We helped it today. The church runs over a thousand people and we got to surf all up and down uh, Nicaragua. Then God took us over to Hawaii and we were able to bless several churches and a revival took off and we were part of that and God let us surf all over Hawaii. We would have never been able to do that if we weren't serving God. God took what we thought we had to give up because he loved us so much and made it even better. He'll do the same thing for you. It's not what you love you have to give up. No, he loves you for who you are. You are a unique individual. God wants to use you. You may not know it, but God wants to use you just as you are to love other people. But in order to do that, you must understand how much God loves you. See, we look at our performance. Amen. Our behavior, our past life. Say, well, if you really knew me, Pastor. Well, God knows you better than you know yourself. He numbers the hairs on your head. Amen. He knows you and he loves you anyway. He knows you and he cares about you. Our problem is we're searching for a feeling. All of our love is based in feelings or it's based in value or worth of material things. Material things. You can love the new dress you just bought. You can love the new suit you just bought. You can love the new watch you just bought, the new car you just bought, the new house you just bought. But isn't it amazing when you love it the day you got it, how much you love it a week later, a month later, or a year later. Your love begins to wane. Love and relationships grow and they build. But here's the thing. God loves you so much above that. God loves you with something called agape. Not with eros or phileo or any of those other types of love. He loves you with agape, which is an unconditional, unrestricted love. That means when you were a drug dealer and a crack addict robbing people on the street and you became a missionary to China and you won a million people to Jesus and built 250,000 churches, he loved you just as much when you were the crack addict hitting people in the head on the street as he did the day you won all those people to Jesus and built all those churches. Unconditional, unrestricted. You are valuable. You are worth something. God loves you. And when you begin to receive the love of God and take your restrictions off of it, Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking at your performances. Quit looking at your past life. Quit looking at what you did do, what you did not do, what you have said, what you have not said. Start looking at the one that loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to suffer, to die, to be beaten, to suffer in hell itself, but to rise from the dead as a demonstration of his love towards you. Woo, when you realize that, it'll set you free. I told the story in the, in the main service, I mean, in the early service this morning, I was, years ago, Lee and I had been married about six months. We lived in a little house over on uh, Pertle Street in Lamarck, and uh, I had been out uh, hunting. Uh, it was about three quarters of the way through duck season, and when I was home, I'd go duck hunt, and I hadn't cleaned my shotgun, and it was a mess, and it really needed to be cleaned. So I took that thing all apart, and, I, and when I was taking it apart, I noticed this thing has more parts than I thought it did, you know, it's just... So I was trying to keep them in order. And so I cleaned it all, got it all clean, but I couldn't get it back together for nothing. I mean, I put it back together and it wouldn't work. I put it back, and I was really frustrated. So I went into my prayer room and I prayed for about 30 minutes. And I came back in 
And I'm telling you, almost like a light flashed, I took every part and I put that gun right back together, opened it up, clicked it, popped, man, there it was. And so I asked God later, about two days later, I said, Lord, why did you do that? He said, because I love you. He said, I saw you frustrated. He said, I thought, saw you upset. He said, I saw you were, you're, you're trying to do something you couldn't do. You needed my help. So I stepped in and I helped you do that. Now, here's the thing. That means nothing to anybody but me. And you've got to understand, God wants to do things just like that for you. Yeah, yesterday, one of the members of the church called, they lost their dog. That means nothing to nobody, but if it's your dog, it does. So I happened to be upstairs praying, and I'd been praying for about 15 or 20 minutes. And, and uh, either Breland or Leah, one of them come up and said, so-and-so lost their dog. So, so we prayed over the phone. And when they, when they, when they hung the phone, when they ha- I handed the phone back to them, they left the prayer room. I started praying about five more minutes into prayer. I knew, just like that, just like that. They'll find it, no problem. They'll find it, no problem. They'll find it, no problem. Doesn't mean anything to anybody. But to the people that own the dog, you say, well, those are little minor things. They don't mean anything. But in doing so, God demonstrates his love. He'll find your dog. He'll fix your shotgun. He'll heal you of cancer. He'll do all the big things. But all the little minor things is to continue to enforce and reinforce how much he loves you and cares for you and how valuable you are to what God is doing in this day and this hour. Woo, glory to God. Go, go real quick, if you will. Go to Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. First of all, and most importantly, determine in your spirit and heart for now and for eternity that God is not your problem. God is not the source of your problem. God doesn't steal loved ones from you. God doesn't put sickness and disease on you. God doesn't bring bankruptcy, divorce. God doesn't steal children. God doesn't do anything like that. He is a good God that loves you. Let me say that. He is a good God that loves you. We live in a world system that is corrupt. There's an adversary or an enemy called the devil out there. The Bible says he comes to seek, to steal, kill, and destroy. But you must understand that God's doing everything he can do to get his love and his provision into your life. It is the most irresistible force on this planet. We do not need to convince people of the reality of our doctrine or our religion. We need to convince them of the love of God. If we can show forth the love of God out of Island Church, we never build a building big enough. I said we'll never build a building big enough. Because when we love God, first we find out He loves us, it's easy to love Him back. When you love God, you give Him everything. You love God, you put no restraints on your serving Him. When you love God, you don't care if he says go across the street or go to South America. It doesn't matter to you. If you love God, it does not matter. When you first begin to realize, I love you, Lord, because you first love me, then you love yourself. You see yourself as valuable. You see yourself as worthy. You see yourself as somebody that God gave his only begotten son for. And if you were the only one to ever receive salvation, he would have still have come and done it just for you. Then you take that love. And you take it outside the four walls of the church. And you learn how to love the unloved. Listen, listen, this is so sad, but we're going to change it. Everybody say amen. Did you know there are people in, this, in these neighborhoods around this building, on this 33-mile strip of sand, that have never been loved with the love of God? That they're afraid of God? That they're scared of God? That on Sundays they hide from God? They hide in addictions? They hide in perversion, perverse lifestyles. They hide in success and in money. 
They hide in all kinds of places because they've never been touched by the love of God. But the only way God can touch them is to love them. And the only way he can love them is through somebody. You know, this is a unique reality of all of our lives. We are here today because somebody loved us with the love of God. There wouldn't one of us be here today unless somebody loved us with the love of God. Unconditional, unrestrained. You say, but pastor, they might come to our church and they might, they, 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 they might dress funny. They might look funny. They might smell funny. That's all right. That's okay. It doesn't matter. God loves them. You say, well, they may, they may do this or they may do That's all right. We'll help them. We'll teach them. We'll get the word of God in them. We'll help them become the people that God's called them to be. We'll show them how much God loves them by loving them or allowing God to love them through us. Now, notice in, did I tell you Romans chapter 8? How's my time? Good, I got 10 minutes. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Can I read that in the Amplified? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Now, can you imagine a being, deity, powerful, speaks the word and it manifests in planets and stars? Speaks the word and oceans and land moves. Speaks the word and mankind is formed. Upholds it all, maintains it all, propels it all with his word. I've always wondered if Muslims think that Muhammad loves them. I've always wondered if Buddhists think that Buddha loves them. I've always wondered if those involved in the Hindu, some two million and something Hindu, I wonder if they think their gods love them. But you know, as Christians, we can say our God loved us. Loves us with a love so powerful. Now think about this. He uses his what? His word creates. The Bible says by his words, all things that exist find their existence and their consistency in his word. Are you with me? That means if I could remove the word of God out of the chair, the chair disintegrates. It goes from the material to the immaterial. If I remove the word of God from your shoes, from your watch, from your coat, from your vehicle, if I remove the word of God from it, it disintegrates. It goes from material to immaterial. It goes from seen to unseen. Are you with me? So God takes that which holds all things together and allows it to what? To suffer, to die, to go into hell itself for you and me. And the earth shook and the earth convulsed because the very thing that holds the earth together was dying for you and me. That's how much God loves us. But the good news is, with his grace and mercy, he sustained it for three days and three nights. And he raised up his son, Jesus, the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And he raised the word of God up out of the pits of hell. And he set him at his own right hand. And when he did that, he set us in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A brand new creature. 
People look at me that used to know me years ago and say, you're not that person you used to be. And I can say, let me show you where he died. He died on the cross, but he rose again with Jesus. Now I'm risen with him and seated in heavenly places. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. Why is that? Did you earn that? No, God loved me. Now, if you've received salvation, if you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have received the greatest miracle you will ever receive. Amen. I mean, if your both legs and arms are cut off and both eyes put out and both ears punctured, and you get a total miracle where God puts your arms and legs on, puts eyes back in your head and eardrums back in your that is a lesser miracle than salvation. Amen. Which means God has already given you the greatest miracle. How shall he not with Jesus Christ also give us what? All of the lesser things, things that are less than salvation, healing, prosperity, deliverance, blessing. God loves you so much, he gives you the greater and he gives you the lesser. He withholds nothing from anybody that would believe him. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us freely? Everybody say freely. Freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything? To the charge of God's elect. I like that. You say, what do you mean? I don't care what you think about me. God loves me. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't like your preaching. I don't care. I don't like your church. I don't care. I don't like your shoes. I don't care. I don't like your I really don't care. God loves me. Your opinion of me really does not matter. I do my best to be a good pastor. I do my best to pastor the church well, to preach, to prophesy, to lay hands on the sick. But if your opinion of me is way down here, it really doesn't matter to me. Because the, the opinion of one that really matters, the opinion of the one that really matters, amen, which is God, he loves me, he cares for me, he wants to bless me, help me, save me, deliver me, heal me, prosper me, and cause me just to have a little piece of heaven to go to heaven in. I'm not saying that trying to be cocky, but who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That's exactly what it's saying. You charge me? I don't care. What's the next part? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? You're no good. You're rotten. I don't care. God loves me. You know, I was, I was talking one time to a minister. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Very well-known, famous minister. He had been given a charge of the Lord to minister to another minister. This was way back in the, in the 50s. A great healing revival had taken place. One of the ministers had gotten into some trouble. He was just a real mean man. There were some things about his health that were not good, and he was very uh, uh, immoral when it came to money. And so in, in sitting at dinner with this, the other minister who the Lord had spoke to, to to speak to this man, I asked him, I said, sir, what did this man do when it came to money? And he said, this man's ministry, which he died at age 38, this was in the 50s. He said, this man's ministry was outstanding when it came to the working of miracles. He said, you saw people's eyes that would look, he said, he'd pray for people and their eyes would swirl and God would give them brand new eyeballs in his meetings. And cripples would be healed and all kinds of, he said, now a miracle would take place in one of his meetings and so he'd stand, he'd reach into his pocket and he'd hold up a hundred or a fifty dollar bill and he'd say, now if you want a miracle, bring me one of these. Well, see, he didn't judge himself in that and because of that he died prematurely. God gives us opportunity to judge ourselves. And so I asked, I asked this minister, I said, well, well, did anybody get healed after that? He said, I got healed by the, by the thousands. And I said, why? 
If he was doing that, and that's not right, and that's sin, and he was mean, and he wasn't walking in love, and he wasn't judging himself in his body, why did God do miracles in his meeting? And he says, well, I'll never forget. The guy looked across the table at me and said, because God loves people, and God's love was bigger than his sin. Who is it that condemneth? Well, I know so-and-so. I know something about preacher so-and-so, pastor. It doesn't matter. Don't be a condemner. Be a lover. I said, don't be. Anybody can condemn. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can be mean, have a mean spirit. Be a blessing. Why? Because you're being blessed. The source of all love and blessing loves you. Who is it that condemneth? Is it Christ that died rather than is risen again? Who is even at the right hand of God who maketh intercession for us? Now notice this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of the sword? Now here's what it's saying. Are any of these things going to separate you from the love of God? Remember the love of God is active. For God so loved the world he gave. Now let's look at this just a minute. From, from tribulation. No, if you're going through tribulation, God will show up. Why? Because he loves you to get you out of the tribulation. Are you with me? You're not going to be separated from his love. Distress. You say, Pastor, I'm in distress. My finances are in distress. My marriage is in distress. That does not mean you have been separated from the love of God. That means the love of God is still there, it's still active, and it will deliver you. Oh, somebody ought to get excited about this persecution. Well, pastor, you don't know what they're saying about me at the job. You know what they're saying about me out at the, down at the beach, down at the gym. I tell you, they're saying bad things. That's all right. The love of God is still on you, and God wants to love those that persecute him through you. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't try to get them in an argument. Get one up on them. Just love them. They can't resist it. They can resist your doctrine. They can resist your testimony and say you're crazy. But when you just turn around and say, I love you because God loves you. I love you. I care about you. Can I pray with you? If you're ever in distress, give me a call. I will help you. Amen? Amen. I guarantee you, they cannot resist love. Wow. What about famine? Lack. No, he loves you. He loves you. What about nakedness? Well, we can go all different directions with that. Being stripped. Stripped of your dignity. Stripped of your health. Stripped of all the things that you held valuable. His love is right there to help restore it. Amen? Peril. You feel like you're in danger. Pastor, we're in danger. We live here on an island. A hurricane could hit. What are we going to do? No, his love is here. His love is here. We're not going to go under. You say, what if a storm hits? That's all right. We'll recover supernaturally and be a greater blessing than it ever was before we started. Or the sword. Oh, pastor, I'm so afraid. Look what's going on in the Middle East. It can happen any moment. That's all right. It doesn't matter if war breaks out. God still loves us. And his love will keep us in the midst of it. Mm-mm-mm. As, is, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep but for the slaughter. Listen, this is what the world, they look at us and they say they're so weak. They don't know anything. If they knew anything, they wouldn't go to that church. They're just a bunch of sheep. Let me tell you something. Only true individuality you'll ever find on this planet is in Christ. God gathers us as a few hundred. One day I trust it'll be a few thousand. But here's the thing. In the midst of the largest crowd, you can be an individual worshiping God. Loving God. He loving you back. He can reach down into a crowd of 10,000 and lift you up and embrace you and hold you and love you. And you can think you're the only person there as God's minister. I've had it happen to me many times as God just loves and, and ministers to you. And you know, man, this is something else. God is so cool. 
He loves me in ways I never could imagine. Notice what it says, verse 37. No. Everybody say no. no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know what it's saying here? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, no. Distress, no. Persecution, no. Famine, no. Nakedness, no. Peril, no. The sword, no. People thinking we're weak, no good, no. That's not going to, no. For in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that more than a conqueror. Who was the boxer years ago? Vonda Holyfield told about winning a great uh, uh, title match, heavyweight championship of the world, receiving this check for millions of dollars. He was the conqueror, the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He went home. His little wife is five foot two. He took that check of millions of dollars and handed it to her hand. He was the conqueror. She was now more than a conqueror. Jesus Christ died on the cross, took our sin, took our iniquity, took our unrighteousness, took our addictions, took our sicknesses, took our disease, took our depravity, took everything that was wrong with us, died, destroyed the devil, beat death, hell in the grave, rose victorious over all of it. He became the conqueror of humanity, the conqueror of sin and sickness and disease. Then he says, here's the paycheck. Boom, I'm the conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. That's how much I love you. For I am persuaded, neither death. I'm so afraid to die. Why? In death, the greatest manifestation of love. You close your eyes on this side. You open your eyes in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I've seen no tour groups from heaven visiting the earth lately. No one wants to come back. Momo went last year. She hadn't come back. Mom went a year before. She hadn't come. They're not coming back until Jesus says, get on your white horse and come back with me. You say, why? Because heaven is a place saturated with the glory and the love of Almighty God. And death, all it does is put you there. I'm persuaded. Death, nor life. Oh, I just love my life so much. No, don't ever get so involved with life that life is your God. Amen. No, life can't do it. Death can't do it. Angels, principalities, Powers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you begin to realize that God loves you and how much he loves you and what he did to get his love to you, it becomes easy to love a God like that. It'd be hard to love a God that was always looking to hurt me. That every time I was turning around, he was giving me the flu or cold or arthritis. That he was taking money from me and killing my dog and wrecking my car and doing this and doing that. Be hard to serve and love a God like that. But a God that will restore your car and heal your body and touch your life. And give you a life beyond your own imagination. Give you a calling. Give you a destiny. Save you from eternal damnation. Heal your physical body. Bless your finances here on the earth. Give you peace and joy in the midst of all the turmoil that's going on in the earth. And he does it for no other reason that he loves you and desires you to be his love child. 
You say, what do you mean by that? That means God has a need. He had a need when He created man. He wanted individual people to look at Him for who He was and say, I love you. Paul wrote it like this, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, an enduring term. It's easy for the religious people to get up and talk about God. <laughs> Sounds hard and religious. Here's what happened to religion. And I'll close with this. My time's up. I'm six minutes over, but you don't care. Because everybody loves me, amen? God gives us authority. But He also gives us love. And when you take authority and place it over love, you go into legalism. And you go into bondage. And you make up rules. And you make up regulations. And you become inclusive. If you're not like us. If you're not like us. Well, we're the only, we're the only ones that have it. We're the only ones that got it. We're the only ones that will ever have it. And you take authority and you place it above love. But when you take love and put it in its right position, above authority, then you don't become inclusive. You're, hey, everybody, whosoever, sure. We want white folks. We want African American, Hispanic American, Asian American, and even others that don't even, aren't even American. Whatever you may be. You're more than welcome. We want Pentecostals, we want Catholics, we want Baptists, we want Methodists, we want every person that wants to come and love God with us as He loves us, then we love each other, then we're going to take all this, all this good love and we're going to take it out to these people that are suffering so much, that have been so rejected, that have been so beat up, that have no self-worth and we're going to tell them, God loves you and you're valuable and when they see it in us, they're going to know it's real. If they don't see it in us and we tell it to us, they're going to say, that's another phony. That's another fake. That's another charlatan. I've heard that before. But when you go out there loving God because you know how much He loves you, loving yourself and loving each other, and then when we take that out to the world, they cannot resist it. The most hardened souls. I'll never forget I was in Belize with Dad. Right after we'd been married, he and I flew down there with a full gospel businessmen. They used to call them airlifts in which they would take people to uh, uh, different countries and we would get a hotel room and we'd preach the gospel message. It was several other men and uh, the president of Barclays Bank there in Belize City had, had put the meeting on. And we ended up in a little old smuggler's island off the coast of Belize. And uh, we had done a meeting out in a, in, a, in, a, in a particular place then we ended up in this other place. And so there was a hotel there. We were going to do a meeting there that night. So several of the men were out inviting people and stuff like that. So the banker... Uh, Brother George Arwell was his name. He said, uh, he said, I have a friend that I've been looking for. He's down here in this bar. He is a marine biologist. And he disappeared about five years ago. And I have found him. He's destroyed his mind with rum and cocaine. And he's sitting in the bar and I'm trying to minister to him. Would you come down? Well, I was up trying to prepare to get ready to preach. And I thought, oh man, you know. All right. So I walked down this bar. And I go in this bar, and they're sitting at a table, and the bar's not, the bar's real small, and it's full of British soldiers. Those soldiers were, at that time, Britain still occupied Belize. And so I walked in, and they're all sitting there, and they got guns slung over the show, and they're sitting there drinking. And so this guy's sitting there, and you can tell he's out of his mind. 
And I'm telling him, God loves you. And he said, give me $20. And I said, God wants to deliver you. And he says, give me $20. And I said, God wants to bless you. And, and give me $20. And I start telling him, you know, I start telling him the gospel and telling him how much God. I told him my testimony. God delivered me. He'll deliver you. He says, give me $20. So finally, I kicked my chair back. I reached across the table and I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of addiction, let this man go in Jesus' name. He looked up and said, give me $20. <laughs> I thought, whoa. So I just got up. I looked around. The bar was empty. <laughs> so I'm walking out the door. The bar's like right here. I'm walking out the door, and there's a little bitty doorway. And I, as I walk by the doorway, I hear somebody sob. So I step back, and I look, and there's this little lady standing there, and big tears are running down her face. And she says, I was raised in Tennessee in a godly family. And I got into drugs, and I got into sin. And I thought, God doesn't love me anymore. And he said, I heard you tell this man what you told him. And now I know God still loves me and still cares for me. Would you pray with me to get right with God? And I said, sure. And I prayed with her. And she brought the entire staff of that hotel. There were, what, 40 or 50 people that night that came and got saved and healed in their bodies and filled with the Holy Ghost because God loved one little lady that thought she had lost the love of God and God sent me all the way from Texas down to that bar in Belize where she was working to extend the love of God to her. That same God loves you with a love that you cannot explain. The Bible says it passeth understanding. You are valuable. You're more precious than gold and jewels. God loves you so much. He cares about your body. He cares about your finances. He cares about your mind. He cares about what concerns you, whether it's a shotgun or the building of a church. He cares about everything in your life. And He loves you so much that if you ever can learn to just respond back a little bit and open up your arms and say, I love you, Lord because you love me so much, then you're going to begin to see the value in yourself. And as you love the Lord, then you can love your neighbor. And then we can take that love. And there's not a person in Galveston or Galveston County or anywhere else in the world that God sends us that can resist that love. That's the way God designed it. Faith is a powerful force. And we love it. Hope is powerful. There remaineth faith, hope, and love but the most powerful is what? Why? It originates in God Himself. Amen? Hallelujah. Brother Frank, go to the keyboard. Lift your hands up and worship God just for a moment. Father, thank You so much. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, You love us. You care about us. You love us with a love that we must experience. And we thank You, Father, for that this morning. I pray for each and every person here today. That what I teach and preach in my own inability, that you will add supernatural ability to it and allow this love to become a revelation in their own heart as it has for me. And I recognize and realize that nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Father, this morning, if there be any that don't understand or have not received it, I thank you that you deal with their hearts now. In Jesus' name. Put your hands down just for a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you a question. Have you responded, not to Rusty's preaching, have you responded, not to our doctrine, have you responded to God's love that He is extending to you right now? 
You say, Pastor, I've never been saved. I've never made Jesus my Lord. I've never accepted His love. That's the greatest sin a man or a woman can commit is to reject the love of God. That means for eternity you will be separated from that love. Isolation from God will destroy you. If you hear you say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I gave my heart to the Lord, but I've run from His love. My fellowship has been broken. But I've got good news. Your relationship is not broken. God still loves you. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray with me. Lift your hand up real quick. Anybody at all? Anybody here this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Please pray with me. Lift your hand high. Let us see. We see one hand. You can put it down after you've raised it. Another. We see another hand. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly. Don't reject God's love. We're not pushing the church. We're not pushing my ministry. We're talking about God loving you and you responding to it this morning. If you raise your hand, you don't have to raise it a second time. I think three or four have raised their hands. Would you join them this morning? Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We all came just like this to God. Despite ourselves, we responded to His love. No matter how you may feel about yourself, it's okay. It's okay. Just respond to His love. He's trying to love you this morning. So one more time, I'm going to look around. If you've not raised your hand, but you'd like to be included in the prayer that I pray, lift your hand right now. Anyone else? Lift your hand right now. We see another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, lift your hand. Is that God dealing with your heart? I see you. I see that other hand. Is that God dealing with your heart? Sure it is. Sure it is. You're in a church. That's God dealing with your heart. So quickly, the last time I'm going to look. The last time. For this morning, for today, is that you? Do you need that love this morning? Lift your hand up high. Let me see. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Everybody look this way. For those that lifted your hand, I want to pray with you down here at the altar. I want it to mean something to you. I want it to be real. The church is going to stand in just a moment. They're going to give a big hand clap and an applause, not for my preaching. Not for the beautiful music, not for our building. The hand clap, the applause is going to be for you. It's an encouragement telling you, you've done the right thing today. This is a good day for you. You came to church. You heard the word preached. You responded. You lifted your hand. Now go all the way. Go all the way. Go down there and pray with pastor. Go down there and let him pray with you. Go down there and receive God's love. Amen. Praise God. Island Church, stand on your feet. Give all these that raise their hand a big hand clap. Come on, you that raise your hand. Come down. Let me pray with you right now. Come on, unashamed, unafraid. Come on, stand right there, brother. Come on, God loves you. God cares about you. Come on, church, give them a big hand clap as they come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Stand right here. You can stand right there. Come on, are there others that need to come? Maybe you didn't even raise your hand. Come on right now. Come on. God's loving you right now. Let him love you. Come on down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So glad you came. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what you're going through, but God loves you. God cares about you. No, I don't Thank care you how for you joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. 
And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.